No country has ever prospered that failed to put its own interests first. We will no longer surrender this country or its people to the false song of globalism. New Right Network presents Right Now, the featured podcast of New Right Network. Mobilizing, countering the left, energizing the right. New Right Network, home of the New Right Movement. Straight out of the city of broad shoulders, crime, corruption, and sky-high taxes. I am your host, Brian Quinn, and this is the Right Now podcast brought to you by the New Right Network. Check us out at newrightnetwork.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter. Today we have a very special show coming your way. Joining us is Brendy Wells. Brendy Wells is the Vice President of the Caravan to Midnight Incorporation. Uh, she is the wife of the host, John B. Wells, who is the host of, uh, former host of Coast to Coast AM, current host of Caravan to Midnight, and the current host of Arc Midnight. She also helps produce on Arc Midnight. Uh, welcome to the show, Brendy Wuhanded. Hudanki, <laughs> thanks for having uh, me. <laughs> if, if, only, if only I knew what that meant now. I only got one, one word down. I'm very impressed. You, you asked me in Afrikaans, how, how am I? How are you, actually? And I said, Hudanki, which means I'm well, thanks. That's yeah, I, all. I, in my, I've encountered a few uh, South Africans in my time, and I, and I uh, always tried to learn a, a little bit of something from every kind of people I, I run into. So it's, uh, it's amazing. You know, our people are actually just so down to earth, patriotic Christian people, but we've been so villainized through the media throughout the, the ages, really, going all the way back to, to the Anglo-Boer War and, and the concentration camps. And having come out of that, building a nation and now, and then we had to go through the whole apartheid thing where we were told that we were these evil, horrible, racist people. And, yeah. um, you know, even today, if I meet people who has been, you know, influenced by the mainstream media, when they see me and they say, I say I'm from South Africa and they notice my skin color. I mean, the first thing almost out of their mouths is, uh, oh, social justice is important, you know? Uh. I mean, they have no clue. But I'm here to tell you. Yeah, like I want to get into that, like the whole overview. What's the political climate in South Africa right now? We could talk about the past. We could talk about the present and future. Um, right now, where are things at? I know there was recently an election in South Africa. Um, you know, maybe about a year ago or so, we heard uh, Donald Trump talk about what's going on over there, but we haven't really heard much from him or his administration lately, at least on the American side, I haven't heard things. Uh, and, and we definitely have heard from Tucker Carlson, but in, in the United States in general, most, uh, most Americans have no idea what exactly is going on there. So can, can you fill us in, give us a good, you know, an overview of what's going on? Of course I can. I was actually in South Africa um, during the elections. I went there specifically because I wanted to vote. Not that my vote would actually count because we are so outnumbered. And that was by design. Um, but in, in any event, I, I wasn't in South Africa for two years. 
I was in America. We got, John and I got married. And then was a whole green card thing. I wasn't actually allowed to leave the country until I got my green card because I was um, in status. So I was in between. So when I finally got my green card, it was the first thing I did is I went home to visit my family. And it happened to coincide with the election. So I thought, great, I can also vote. But having said this, you know, when you are in a situation and it gradually deteriorate, deteriorates, you know, I'm like from, a, I'm from Chicago. So, yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, so but it's like that frog in the, in, in the boiling water syndrome. You you don't realize it as significantly as when you go away and you come back. And that's exactly what happened to to me when I went back to my little hometown. It's called Hillcrest. It's a suburb of Durban, KwaZulu-Natal, which is one of the main provinces, one of the main cities of of South Africa, and um, and I just drove into the town. There was rubbish literally everywhere. I was then told that there was a strike, and this is they struck and trade. They strike all the time. Yeah, I think I'm familiar with exactly the one you're talking about, where they were like uh, riding in the streets, pretty much. The, the trucks were blocking the highways, setting trucks on, on fire. They're doing that again now. But um, we got warnings as I was, you know, like in America, you get Amber Alert, we get hijack and, and blockage and um, uh, strike alerts. And my phone was just going off in these like certain areas between Hillcrest and Durban. You can't even go there. They just say, stay away, stay at home, don't even attempt it because you're probably going to get shot at. And this is a reality. Um, it, it was just so, such a contrast because I came out of that and I've been in America for, for two years. And I mean, I think anybody who doesn't suffer from PTSD coming out of that, I would just hear a, a loud bang and I would almost duck under the bed and think, okay, if they're shooting somewhere and John would go, what's wrong with you? I'm like, okay. So it took me a while to get over that, but that's not the point. When I went back, there was just rubbish everywhere. It was just disgusting. And, and, and the whole place, this, this is a contrast. I mean, I literally came home telling John in tears. I, I couldn't believe that a country could just completely and utterly go to waste like that. It was a beautiful country and uh, communism took over, all in the name of peace, love, and unicorns. <laughs> but, but as you know, because um, America is going through the same thing right now, the media propaganda is what did it. And um, Nelson Mandela was just a communist in blackface. And the ANC, which is the ruling party, uh, is actually communist. But nobody knows that. I mean, the Minister of Education is also the head of the Communist Party. So people don't understand what happens when the socialist dream kicks in. I mean, your entire country deteriorates. Your government, your state captures every single thing from the post office to the hospitals, to the roads, to everything. And everything goes down the drain. The post office is bankrupt, literally bankrupt. They can't even pay people. So now how do the staff respond? They burn the post offices down. The hospitals, wow. there's no beds in the hospitals. If you want to die, go to a South African hospital. You'll lie there in a cesspool of urine and blood. 
that's a couple of weeks old. It's disgusting. And it's, and from what I understand, it's it's like the murder capital of the world. Uh, they have like a high, a very high AIDS rate. I don't know if it's number one. Is it number one? And then and then here's another thing I wanted to say. I had read that uh, one third of women by the time of eight, they're 18 years old, will be raped in South Africa. And one half of all women in South Africa will be raped at least one time in their lifetime. I think the number is higher because the culture is a rape culture. And um, what I'm going to say now sounds strange and horrible. And I've been called a racist and everything that is under the sun. Um, I'm not a racist. I'm a realist. And if it's a fact, it's a fact. If it's happening, it's happening. These people even rape chickens. I mean, this one guy got, he, he raped his grandmother's chicken. The chicken died. She, she took him to the police and he had to pay a fine of 500 rand, which is equivalent to about $40. And, uh, you know, and that's the end of it. The fact is, if you rape a woman, that's fine. If you rape a child, that's fine. They think if you rape a baby, you, it'll cure the AIDS. Yeah, I wanted to get into that. Now, that's one thing. Uh, another alarming statistic going on over there is that they have the highest child rape rates in the world. And a lot of what's driving that is uh, what you're, that popular belief that if someone with AIDS uh, has sex with a virgin, it will cure their AIDS. So a lot of these people are raping children to try and cure their AIDS. Can you elaborate more on that? Yes, um, I just need to actually qualify what, you, what you've just said. You say a popular belief. It's not a popular belief. It is their religion. It is, wow. called, it is tribalism. And this is the problem with, with tribalism and the Western world. It, it, they are mutually exclusive. It doesn't work together. What tribalism is, and this is a tribalism mindset, that children grow up in a tribe. They have a king and they have a sangoma. The sangoma is, for lack of a better term, a witch doctor because she communicates with their ancestors. And this is who they worship. This is their religion. They believe that in ancestor worship, the Sangoma is the person, or the, the witch doctor, is the person that communicates with the witch doctor. So if you have any ailment, trouble, question, whatever it is, you go to the Sangoma. The Sangoma throws bones, drinks potion, make you drink some potion. And this is what they call muti. They make this from everything from battery acid to body parts, depending on what potion they are requiring. So it's literally a, a satanic potion. So then they drink this stuff, they get high on whatever it is they put in there. And this witch doctor goes into a trance, the ancestor speaks to them and gives the person a cure. So one witch doctor a couple of years ago, a couple, uh, many years ago, about 15 years ago, had a vision from an ancestor who then said that um, if you have sex with a child, under one years old, it will cure your AIDS. And obviously these people religiously believing what the Sanguma says, um, started raping children on a, on a spectacular level, on a spectacular level. It literally, 
it will blow your mind if you see what they're doing to the babies. And it's not even a, a racial thing. Any baby, any baby will do. Yeah, you know, some of the things that have blown my mind the most in my life is when I started really researching what's going on down there. And it's just, uh, it's disturbing. And I'll be honest, quite frankly, I was depressed for a while while getting into this subject. Uh, now, moving along, let's talk, you talked about the ANC. Uh, a lot of people aren't familiar with the political parties in South Africa. I would imagine, what did you vote? V VF plus? Or, or what, what was the party? Yeah, there is the, the Freedom Front. And the, the, but you know, South Africa has got so many political parties. Yeah. It's almost impossible to pick one. And you, and you know what the outcome is going to be because everything is, is cooked and controlled and, and operated. But, now, how about like the EFF party? Can you explain to us? Like, I, I know there's a character named Julius Malema who said, uh, and this isn't like, a very, I mean, it's a minor party, but it, it, it holds some seats in, in the Congress, right? Or you guys have a parliament over there, right? Yeah, it is, a, it is perceived as a minor party, but they, they make a huge noise. Um, they are extremely left-wing. they pretty much similar to what the Democrat Party has turned out in, in, in America. And this is something that I have just witnessed over the last two years because having actually living, live here and, and, and it's almost like living in the twilight zone. It's like, oh my gosh, I've seen this before. I've seen this before. It's all the same ingredients. It's the same agenda. They, they pull off exactly the same strategy. And, and why not? Because it works. But to, to answer your question, Julius Malema was the youth leader of the ANC. Now, the ANC is the African National Congress. This came into existence in, in 1913 as a resistance party to Cecil John Rhodes, who um, instituted the Glen Grey Act in the late 1800s. Now, Cecil John Rhodes was a British, uh, uh, South Africa at the time was a British colony. They annexed it. It, it originally started as a trading port for the Dutch between India and, and, and Europe. But then Britain got involved, and um, that's pretty much where it went wrong. Um, but uh, Cecil John Rhodes then forced, found diamonds and gold, forcibly removed a couple of people from their lands, a couple, um, a few, uh, a couple of hundred, really, um, from a piece of land and started the De Beers Company, which is a diamond company. And... Uh, you know, it's a complete and utter horrible thing to do because they've literally pillaged the wealth of Africa since, you know, the 1800s, but that's not the point. So what I'm saying is ANC came into existence as, as a direct result of that situation. And they started to, to try and, and fight Cecil John Rhodes and the British government. Later on, we have um, the Dutch moved inland uh, they wanted to get away from the British. We fought two wars to get away from them. Uh, eventually, we, we won, and we became a republic in, on the 31st of March, 1961. The NP, the Dutch party, um, the first white party, um, came in to, to power for the Dutch minority in 1948. So the ANC was never any resistance to the so-called apartheid government, which effectively started in 1948. Having said that, it is a communist party. They were infiltrated by 
by the communists. Russia at the time was very communist in, in the 60s, 70s, 80s. And um, they had a resistance movement. They even had a military wing. When I said something about and, that, and just that, the military yeah. wing, that would have been like Nelson Mandela, correct? Well, Nelson Mandela started the military wing. It's called Mkonto Isizwe. It's the same strategy as the Democrats and the, the um, Antifa. Antifa is their military wing. That doesn't show that they are related, but they are. They funded it. They're funding them. So it is to create that uprising, that upheaval, that social um, discord, marches, blowing stuff up. I mean, literally, they blew up post offices. Uh, police stations, restaurants, all over the country. We were fighting uh, the, the communist invasion on the border where people coming in from Mozambique all over with AK-47s. Now, where did they get these AK-47s? I'm asking you. But be that as it may, Julius Malema was a child. Now, uh, was that the time like when uh, Rhodesia was, they were losing their part and you, Cecil Rhodes, that's who Rhodesia is named after, correct? Yeah, Rhodesia was, was Cecil John Rhodes. He started it. He used to, um, he's even got a university in East London in South Africa called Rhodes University. Yeah. And, but, um, so, but what I wanted to get to is, is the border war, was it at the same time no, as the, it was uh, after. the Bush war it, was, it was after? It was after. Rhodesia was the first one to go. Then, but, but Rhodesia was a British colony where South Africa became independent from Britain. We fought two wars. Black people fought with us. I grew up on a farm. I speak fluent Zulu. So the point is you do not speak the language of people that you hate because you haven't spent time with them. The point is that the whole apartheid thing was just a, a big lie to tell the world that we were these evil racist people, which has in fact never been the truth. The, the point, your, your question to me about Julius Malema, I had to set that context for you to explain where he came from. He was a child in the military wing of the ANC, formed country Siswe. As a nine-year-old boy, he set people on fire who they deemed traitors. They necklaced them, which is currently happening in can South you, Africa. Can you explain what necklacing is? Well, I can't. You want me to show you a video? I just no. I don't want to see a video of it. No, I know okay. what it is, but I want other people to hear exactly what necklacing is. Well, I can, but what I'm just saying is, I received images that came from South Africa this morning. They necklaced a man in Johannesburg. I've got that footage. Um, it is when they put gasoline in a in a tire, a car tire, and uh, put it around a person's neck and set them on fire. And he burns to death right in front of a crowd who then goes into some form of trance and cheers and gets all excited because they, they offering him to his ancestors because they deem him as either a traitor or evil. Right now they are necklacing um, anybody that is not a South African. So whether they're Nigerian or, or um, from Zimbabwe, they, they are convinced that they are stealing their jobs and that they are the cause of them being economically um, deprived. Now, the thing is, it, we, the, the whites have been accused of this all the time. We have just been the culprit. Even today, 25 years after apartheid, they continue 
to, to villainize the whites, but there's hardly any of us left. You know, they've, they've killed most of us, literally murdered and tortured us to death, um, all under the banner of peace, love and unicorns, because it was the white evil people who did this. But the, they wouldn't, they would, you know, they wouldn't have had all the privileges they had if we didn't build all these things for them. But even so, you know, there's, there's many arguments and I don't want to get into a racial thing. I just want to stay factual. But now that the white man has literally been almost euthanized, um, there's over, there's about 4 million of us left in South Africa, 4 million wow. against 60 million people. And where did they come from? They opened the borders in the 80s. They were just streaming in. In 1948, there was about 5 million white, I mean, 3 million white people and about 6 million black people. They opened the borders. In 1994, when Mandela walked on water out of prison, there were 40 million white people and 5, I mean, 40 million black people and 5 million white people. Now, it's not because they were on an extensive, you know, breeding program. They opened the borders and they flood the nation now, and they change the demographics, exactly and, what they're doing in, in America. And, and currently, Julius Malema has been calling for kind of like an EU of Africa where he wants to have open borders for the whole continent. Yeah, he uh, is. So, so having which, said, which would bring everyone to South Africa pretty much, kind of like in the EU, everyone goes to Germany to work or the, the more prosperous countries. So... So how does that, how do other South Africans feel who are not in the EFF about that? How do like people in the EANC feel about that? You know, they have this big African Congress every year and there's African meetings all over Africa. And I think it is the communist agenda and part of the ultimate one world order. Because if you think about it, and if you look at who pulls these people's strings, who does Cyril Ramaphosa report to, who... Uh, does Julia Malema report to Lord Renwick? Cyril Ramaphosa reports to Soros, Rothschilds. So it's all part of the bigger world picture. And this is what they want to do, and they're probably going to do it. Well, and it's really, they don't care how we feel about it. And because the patriots gave over their, their, their country, um, thinking they, they were doing the right thing with, you know, peacefully, um, and with, you know, inclusion and, and um, you know, tolerance, uh, we were painted a different picture. We were told in the 80s that this is the way the world is it's beautiful, you know, and that ultimately everybody would live together, not understanding that they were actually implementing the, the first step towards the one world government because that's exactly what they did communism took over now they destroyed everything um they're killing the farmers for two reasons the one is obviously they're white um but that is the narrative they're giving the peasants the peasants that's what they call them you know these that has now come into power you are poor because those people there oppressed you which is not the truth. It's those people there well, who's been feeding you. So they kill them. But the fact is that they're killing the farmers. It's Agenda 21. They want to, 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 to get rid of the food supply and ultimately starve the people to death. And so, uh, 
Yeah. Let's get into like land expropriation without compensation. Part of the argument is now you're saying they're saying that these people are making you poor, so and so. So the argument is that uh, whites own about seventy percent of the land in South Africa. Correct. Well, that's the argument, but that's not that's the, the argument. Truth. That's not the truth. The truth is that the the government owns sixty five percent of the land in South Africa. It was handed okay. over to them in. In 1994, it was all the homelands. They can start to implement, they can give every single person a piece of land if they start to, to, to give them the land that they own, the government. So, but, so everyone's clear, under land expropriation with co without compensation, the government would take the land away from white people and give them nothing in exchange for it and give their land away. Now, do you see this as uh, like a, a social justice, they're trying to make things right, or do you see it uh, more so as dissolving private property rights to fully implement communism? Because I, I, I look, some things seem pretty com communist over there, but I, I, don't, I don't think they're full blown right there yet. Oh, they are completely full-blown yeah. communists. I can tell you that. Um, there's a, there's a, still the constitution that is somewhat protecting people, but they're fighting a losing battle. The NC has got the majority. They are currently rewriting the, the constitution in order to achieve this. And once they've done that, that's the end of it. But it, to answer your question, it is the latter. They will not give it to the people. That's not the plan. The first land piece of land that they've uh, allocated to confiscate is a big game farm, and uh, they've already promised it to the Chinese. It's so exactly the same as what's happened in Zimbabwe. They've taken all the land there from white people, drove them out. My sister was married to a, a um, Zimbabwean farmer. They lived in Chinoy in Zimbabwe. She had to physically witness her father-in-law being murdered in front of her. They fled the country with a three-month-old baby in a suitcase. They crossed Bait Bridge. They weren't even allowed to take their vehicle out. So that is what they've done. Not one single one of those farms that they expropriated all in the, the name of um, redistribution to the poor people that it was stolen from um, was uh, ever given back to the people. The people in, in, in Zimbabwe are suffering. They're dying of hunger. There's absolutely nothing in the stores. The currency is, I mean, I think it's one to one billion dollars. I mean, one dollar is worth one billion dollars. I mean, because they, they add hyperinflation right right after that. So that's exactly what happened. So there's nothing left for the people. Then a couple of years later, we found out that all those farms belong to the government ministers. We took them, went, and the farms completely went into disarray, and nobody was working it, and everything fell apart. Um, the, the farmhouses were stripped. They stole everything, including the kitchen sink. Not, some places there's not even a foundation left. Um, there's nothing. There's nothing left. And now um, the Chinese have moved in and they've pretty much bought 90% of all those farms. So Zimbabwe does not belong to Zimbabwe anymore. And the same is happening in South Africa. They will take the land. It won't go to the people. The people think so because that's what the politicians tell them, and they believe everything the politicians tell them. Once again, because of tribalism, they view the politician as the proverbial king. And if the king tells you, I'm gonna give you a chicken, he doesn't tell you when. You'll wait for that chicken. For 20 years, you'll wait for that chicken. Until you die, you still believe that you're going to get that freaking chicken. 
They also believe if they vote that their ancestors are standing in the voting booth and they will tell the Sangoma if they don't vote ANC. So these people are scared, they're brainwashed, and they are completely controlled by this communist government. The, the people that are being oppressed there are, 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 are good people. And, and the black people that everybody was fighting for, freedom, are struggling now more than ever before. And it's these militant people that is coming out of the education system. Your version thereof is Common Core. They are being taught a complete different history. That's why I started my blog, my activism, how I actually even met John B, is I read my son's history book. And I was like, this is not the truth. They rewrote history completely, made white people to be the absolute villain of, of, of Africa. And, um, and these kids grow up believing this. And that's well, why yeah, they, that's they can just activate Well, that's going on here right now as well. Yeah, that's, that's how they can activate them. That's how they activate them. You and, know? and then to add further to it, you also have people like Julius Malema, and there's another guy's name who I cannot pronounce for the life of me. I think he's from, is it called the Land Reform Management? Oh, Black Land First. Oh, yeah, there, uh, that's it. Yes. Where, where he called for, uh, where he said, we're going to kill their, the women, we're going to kill the children. He's talking about white people. We're going to yeah. kill their, even their dogs, he said. Uh, and then Julius Malema, well, he was saying, you know, no one's calling for the killing of white people, at least for now. At least for now. At least but for the, now. He can't guarantee the future. But at least for now, I, I'm just, I just want to bring up this rhetoric for people who are not familiar with this so that the rhetoric that goes around and these people aren't held accountable for it. Uh, another thing is like the or Kill the Boar, the song that the, the uh, EFF sings. It's their party song. They I mean, a lot of people need to get the glimpse of, I think, what farm murder, how farm murders are connected to the rhetoric the politicians are, are uh, spewing out in South Africa, along with uh, land expropriation without compensation, and that these three things are all interconnected. Oh, they are interconnected. And the thing is that this is being planned for a long time. The very first thing that Mandela did when he came out of prison, or when he became president, is he, he released a whole bunch of prisoners. Wasn't that something that Barack Obama did? Huh. Just, just asking. I think so. Well, you and, could argue that Donald Trump did as well. I mean, he just did the, uh, what should we call it there, where, where he did reform. Prison reform. I understand prison reform. Yeah. That is when you assist people to actually you know, on a path, but you monitor it. What I'm saying is that Mandela just opened the prison doors and let like a couple of thousand hardcore criminals go, yeah. you know? But anyways, that's not the point. Um, what I'm trying to say is that you have to connect the dots from the beginning. You can say, listen, look at this, they're taking the land. And yes, they are taking the land. But it is a symptom of something that happened a long time ago. When Nelson Mandela became president in 1994, he uh, uh, disbanded the commandos. The commandos were a military, uh, it, it is every man, every young boy in South Africa were conscripted. They had to go to the army for two years. 
most of them went to war. They went to fight on the border and a lot of them did not come back. Now, the fact is that after their military service, they remained on the books and they could be called up and they were called up to commando service every couple of years. So, um, and then you serve in the commando and the commanders were there to protect the farms, farms being the main source of food for the entire continent of Africa, the entire continent. So the farms were protected by the army, the commandos. So the first thing that Nelson Mandela does is he disbanded the commandos. Why? Because then straight after that, they started killing the white farmers. Now, every since, ever since then, white farmers have been killed and murdered almost on a daily basis since 1994. And nobody said a thing. When I started talking about this in 2014, I was called a racist. Yeah. I was being threatened. I had dead birds show up in my post box. I was told my family would be killed just because I was telling the truth. Now, they, to be clear, you were in South Africa and you were talking about it. I was in you, South Africa. You weren't Africa. living in the U.S. At no, I, I, did, I did not live in the, in the U.S. So I was threatened, intimidated. I moved a couple of times. It was really, really, really bad, very getting extremely dangerous for me. They've recently murdered two activists, white people who, who's been talking about this on, on YouTube. Um, it has uh, been in the news. What are their, you know their names or? I, I do, but you know what? I'm, I'm sitting in front of you and I'm going to have to Google it. For, I just hit a blank. Ah, um, the, no worries. The one is Helen and the other one was uh, from Cape Town. It happened while I was in South Africa. I can look it up shortly and I'll send you the link and you can add that at the bottom of your interview. Okay. I'll send you those articles. The thing is that um, they, they're killing the, the, the people that are talking and speaking up. And I am convinced if I didn't leave South Africa at the time, I would have been dead by now. But um, the thing is to, to get back to your question. So, so they started killing the farmers and now they're taking the land. It's, it's, I mean, you just have to go and read, and this is an article I've written for, for Caravan to Midnight for John B. Wells News. Uh, go read up what communism is, how it started with Lenin, the Bolshevik Revolution. If you read what they did, the Bolshevik Revolution, and how communism came into being, every single thing that they've done, from the revolt, the civil war, the starvation of people, it, it's, it's a recipe. It's a recipe. And where we are in South Africa now is the, the losing of private property rights and, and the starvation of a country. That's where they are. Because when you lose what you own and you don't have food, that's how they can control you. And that is what people don't understand, what they are doing. If you're looking at America right now, they're trying to start a civil war. The moment they get the civil war going, that's when the UN will move in, and that's the end of this. They will get everything. Go read what they've done in the Bolshevik Revolution. That's how Lenin and Stalin took over Russia, and they murdered the entire uh, Tsar family. So it's a recipe. And if you understand reading that, and you look at your own country, you'll be able to connect the dots. Now, since the election, where has it gone with, you know, land expropriation without compensation? Is it being, 
passed? I heard they were cooling off on it or what's the state of it right now? Is it being, are they taking farms away yet? Well, they are trying to rewrite the, the, the constitution. So when President Trump tweeted, the first uh, publication that came out and called him a racist and were horrible was funny enough, a Chinese publication. And they stand to lose the most because they're going to gain all the land. You know, that's the whole objective. Um, they are so entrenched into South Africa right now that um, Chinese individuals have even been made, and get this, honorary black. I mean, how on earth are you an honorary <laughs> black? You know, you are, because when you are black in South Africa, on a black economic empowerment scale, you get points. Whether you're black and disabled and a female, you get the highest points and you get a better chance of getting a job or a government contract. Chinese have now been given that black status. So if they apply for a job, being born in China, they have a higher chance of actually being employed than a white person born in South Africa whose, whose family and ancestors has been in South Africa since 1652. So... That is the injustice, but having to answer your question, um, that stopped the process because they were just gonna bully their way through it. And uh, now they're doing it, they have to do it legally. So Cyril Ramaphosa is uh, busy rewriting the constitution. I've seen the documents and pushing he, he, the resolution forward and they are going ahead and they do it. And the moment they get that through, that's the end of my country and probably a lot of people will die. And people unfamiliar with Cyril, he's the president, correct? Or, or you guys have a prime minister, I don't... No, he's the president. He's the, he's president, the president of South Africa. He's actually not the president of South Africa. He's the president of the ANC. When you vote in South Africa, you vote for a party. You vote for the ANC, or you vote for the DA, or you vote for whatever party it is. There's about 50 parties on the ballot. Half of them you don't even have never even heard of. Um, but you vote for a party and the party elects a president. So if the party decides they don't like Sarah Ramaphosa, they, they'll just vote somebody else in. So, so it's not like you get to vote for a person like here in America. So, but it's kind of like a parliament, whereas in England, the leader of whatever party, if that party wins, they become the prime minister. Yes, it's like so, we, okay. we, our government is based on the British uh, concept, yes. And our law is also British law. What was it before the Brits came? Because like you said, it was Dutch before, correct? No, we, we never had a Dutch government. I mean, No, but I, it was independent, but the people there were Dutch? The people predominantly, but I mean, South Africa was built um, when, when the trade in, in, in Cape Town became popular. There's a lot of, the, the Germans came. There was a big influx of Germans. There were even white German girls uh, sold as slaves by the Brits in, in, the, in the early 1700s. And I actually have a friend whose great-great-grandmother was a slave, and she had a picture of it. But people don't believe it. They don't believe that white slaves were ever sold. Because the Dutch are so extremely liberal to, the, to their own demise, as actually, they... Um, um, I mean, it's, it's a good thing to be liberal up to a point, you know? Yeah. Um, but when you start pushing and, and start losing your morals and your mind, then, you know, you have a problem. But at the time, the Dutch, when they started, when they got there, they just wanted to be free. It's the same as 
what drove people to come to America. We wanted to move away from the crown. I mean, we all come from Europe. We got on two different boats. We went, landed in Africa. You guys landed in America. But we're the same people. And of all the countries I've ever worked in, being Australia, I've worked in, in the UK, I've worked in Spain, I've, I've, I've traveled a lot. Of all the people in the world, America is probably the closest to our people, being God-loving, patriotic Christians, predominantly. Um, so having said that is just the point that they wanted to destroy the, a very strong nation. They, we were a, a nuclear power. We were friends yeah. of America. We fought with America in the Second World War. Reagan, President Reagan, was our, our friend and our ally. We supported Israel. I mean, you don't understand how American, really, but speaking, we speak Afrikaans. Yeah. Afrikaans is a mix between Dutch, German, the French Huguenots came. Um, there was just a part, a mixture of all these European people that were fleeing Europe. And um, we, Afrikaans is a language that kind of just developed with a mixture of most of these Germanic languages. Um, if I go to Europe in Amsterdam, I can, I can understand when they speak Dutch. I can understand if I listen to German, I can, I can get it. So because my language is such a mixture of everything, yeah. if I listen closely, I can pretty much follow most Germanic languages. So we just wanted to be free from the crown. We provided for the indigenous people there. Um, we did not you know, treat, mistreat them as the narrative explained. Apartheid just means separate in Dutch. It doesn't mean hate, hate, apartness, hate. What they, they, you took the hate word and they made it hate. But so it's, it, it was different than you'd say Jim Crow here or I, I think, I don't know. A lot of people, the way they see it, you know, in the United States is that it, probably was about the same as, as Jim Crow. What's the difference? Did you have laws where, you know, you had to eat at separate restaurants? You know? Yes, we did have segregation. But then again, in 1948, there was segregation all over the world. You know, um, I'm not justifying it. I'm just saying that was the way the world was. You yeah. know, I don't know if even people knew that in Australia, it was legal to go and hunt Aboriginal people. You could Jesus. take your rifle and go hunt people, aboriginals, because they were considered fauna and flora. They were considered flora. They were plants. They were classified as plants. People don't even know that. But I mean, it, it, the laws change. Right? They don't do that anymore. I mean, you grow up, you, you see what works. And when Jesus was walking on the earth, there was slavery. Did he ever say anything about it? No, it doesn't mean he endorsed it. But it was the way of the world. Everybody evolves. But, you know, you cannot go and blame a generation that had nothing to do with anything that a previous generation did and rectify. You know, so it's stupid. But that's what they use as a tool to brainwash people and make you feel guilty for something that you really had nothing to do with. Um, also being 
made to feel guilty because you were born looking a certain way. I mean, that's the one thing you did not have control over. Well, what about the argument they use where it's, uh, it's pretty much that you gained by, by your ancestors benefiting from it. So therefore, you should be taken from, or things should be taken from you to compensate those who were um, kind of wronged or, or robbed from what your ancestors did to their ancestors in the past. You know, that is a lie. Again, it's a communist strategy. It's something like what Bernie would say. Yeah, because they say that here. You know, they say that here yeah, now. It, it's a lie because ultimately, you know, there are people that has benefited from various things. Every single person sitting in government spewing that stuff is benefiting from having knowledge about the stock market and about everything, and they become extremely rich benefiting of us but then they turn it around it's a projection thing because if i think about it when i was growing up we didn't have it large you know i grew up on a farm my grandfather bought a piece of farm worked his bum off to pay that off and then bought another little piece and it will grow like anything that you nurture and grow it will grow within a capitalist but capitalism, that word is also a communist word. They developed that so that they can make socialism sound wonderful. The actual word is free market. Because if you go look at Bolshevik Revolution, the words, they, the, the, the communist words, one of the communist words is capitalism. And that's why every kid hates it because they created the word and villainized it and they weaponized it. But they couldn't use the word free market because how do you, you know, make free market sound horrible because it's free. Anyways, the fact is we had a free market and everybody had the same opportunity to do everything. The homelands were separate countries. What we have done is because there were so many different tribes, Zulu, Osa, Venda, Sutu, Sesutu, I mean, there are nine different tribes in um, South Africa and the most of them were warring tribes, specifically the Tosas and the Zulus. Man, they were killing each other on a spectacular level. I mean, they still hate each other. I can show you videos that I received today. They will kill each other. They don't like each other. If there's racism in your, if you've ever wanted to see racism, come and see racism between the African tribes in Africa. There's racism. Having said that, I, I know, like, as far as the xenophobic stuff that you were talking about earlier, I did, I've seen some horrible videos. There was one Somalian guy, I don't know if he was a shop owner or he worked at a shop. They took him out into the street and, and a mob full of people, mob of people just started killing him. Uh, one person smashed a giant boulder on his head. It was probably yeah. Disturbing video I've ever, and then, and then recently I saw one where they were, they were doing the same thing to another guy on the side of the road and. And that was just uh, maybe a week ago where they were killing a guy on the side of the road. So they are extremely, extremely cruel and vicious. And that's what they do to these farmers too, torturing them. They are cruel people. I mean, just go and watch the movie Shark Zulu. How he killed his own people. You know, pulled a, put a pole up their bum and, you know, wasted them in the air. He, Shark Zulu killed every girl that he made pregnant because wow. he... He was afraid that that baby was going to steal his crown one day. I mean, it's, it's a different mindset. Having said that, now, if you watch the violence that they 
are perpetrating upon each other what the Dutch government did in 1948 was devise a plan to teach these people to self-rule and self-determine and, and create a government and teach the children in their own language. So they created a homeland for every tribe. If you go and, and Google Verwurt, who is also known as the father of apartheid, um, how the, the interviews and his speeches and how these uh, presidents of the tribal countries loved him because finally they had an opportunity to grow and become a country and become a people with an identity. We built them roads. We built them hospitals. We funded every single country with our tax money to teach these people how to live without having to slaughter each other, running around in the bush with a loincloth and spearing each other to death. And that is a fact. Call me a racist if you want. It's, it's still the truth. It still happened. So that's what the homelands were. The passbook that they were actually also marching against was a passport. Just like I need a passport to come into any country, you need a passport if you need to go to any country. It's not an evil document. However, that was also one of the symbols that was in the apartheid movement, so evil. Yes, there were certain laws that... So, so you're saying there was a passport within the country to get from, like you said, homeland to homeland or to go to other countries outside of South Africa? No, that's the thing is now it is one country, South Africa, but South Africa was divided into different separate countries. So there was a homeland for every, for every tribe, the South African people, the, 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 the Kosas, the Sutus, the Vendas, wherever they, they congregated their land, their ancestral land, we gave it to them. We demarcated it as a country. And it was it, a legal country. It wasn't. Is it, yeah. is it correct that the Zulus still, they still have like a large plot of land that no one could go to or, or I, I forget the tribe. Am I correct or? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, in KwaZulu-Natal, which is um, one of the provinces, the king owns most of it. And that is why this whole argument of stealing their land is just so invalid because we gave every single tribe the entire piece and, and said, okay, this is your country. We didn't even say this is your piece of land and, and we, you know, got them in there and, you know, let them starve to death. That was prime land. It wasn't swamp land. It was prime land. And if they had worked it and did, if, if, the, if everybody in international people just stayed out of it, every one of those countries would have been prospering countries by now. I actually have financials that was given to me by old South African government worker as to how much money we invested in each one of these countries. Having said that also, there's two, two homelands, two countries that refused to become part of South Africa after um, Nelson Mandela walked out of prison. And that's Swaziland and Namibia. Those were homelands. They said, no thanks, we really like to be independent, thank you. So you be free and everything all by yourself. So if that was so horrible, why does these two decide, no, they don't want to be part of it? So that's the whole thing. The narrative was that it was evil. It wasn't evil. 
everybody benefited. Everybody had an opportunity. And if I went into one of those homelands and home countries, they also had segregation laws. They were places that I wouldn't have been allowed to go because I was white. So but that's, that's still the case there in those two you name right now and are. Yes, you exactly. Can't buy, you can't buy land there if you're white or. You can't. And that's, that's not racist. You know, so that's, it's just a, a, a Bravo Sierra, like Jambi would say, narrative to create division based on sex, skin color, religion, whatever it is they use to divide and conquer. Because ultimately, it's got absolutely nothing to do with any of those things. But it's about ultimate power and amalgamating people, countries, and, uh, and, and ultimately, where one country will rule. And you can see that. I mean, it's written in the Bible. We know that's going to happen. But to witness them actually implementing it. And... Um, I mean, the communist, I wrote this article, how the Communist Party has infiltrated America and how they started infiltrating the Democrat Party. And you can just Google it and you'll see you know, how I, many I, of these people are I got to say, though, how, how could you call it like infiltrating if it's just like so wide out in the open? I mean, the Communist Party here, they have offices. They have offices in Chicago. I mean, a lot of the main communists are here in Chicago. Uh, and then, like, even, say, on, on Twitter, we have Democrat politicians who are following the uh, chairman of the Communist Party USA. I mean... They are outright I, communists. I, I mean, James Comey was yeah, open yeah. and said, I was a James Comey, I was at uh, Brennan, who said that he actually voted yeah, for the John Communist Brennan, Party. Yeah, yeah it was Brennan. So these people are no longer even hiding it anymore. They are full-blown communists and sitting you know in Congress here's, with here's a the thing. blue hat on. To vote communists in an election means you have to go out of your way because it's not even on the ballot. So he had to write in a communist. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were. But there's also communists on, on, in, in the Republican Party. They have that. That's the agenda. You infiltrate. Yeah. You infil they've infiltrated the schools here. They've infiltrated so many things in this country. The entire election and, and, and the way that they have manipulated elections is the, the by, behind the scenes, the Communist Party. That's exactly what they've done in South Africa. They put a party forward, the ANC, the savior of the people. Everybody can identify with them because of um, blackface. But who, the, the power behind it are, are the communists. <laughs> it's sick. It's sick. I, you know, I want to get back into like the farm attacks, farm murders. Um, one of the things I noticed when I was going through this subject, and, and you, you said people automatically called you a racist, uh, something that I found pretty troubling was that there were a lot of white supremacists who were, were taking what was going on and using it uh, to spread their propaganda. And, and in that process, they were also uh, putting in false stories. They were putting in fake pictures. And every time I noticed someone was uh, trying to discredit 
like farm attacks and farm murders, they would point to a certain picture and prove that it was propaganda put out by uh, some sort of white supremacist group. Or you have another group in uh, South Africa. I forget this guy's name right now. Uh, Soitlanders. So, how do you say it? Soitlander. What's the guy's name? You know who I'm talking about. Simon. Simon yeah. I, I had found some pictures that he had put out. And uh, one of them was a, a one that people have probably seen if they've ever looked into this subject, uh, where a woman had a crucifix shoved down her throat. Also, that happened in Israel, as far as I know. Yeah. I, from, from what I tracked down, it was actually originally, see, I saw something from that it was uh, had to do with Syria. Then further down the line, it came from uh, Canada, and it was actually from a um, Canadian horror film. So oh, really, I was yes. in 2014 when I came across that picture, and I tracked it down. Um, I, I tracked it to Israel, but if that's the case, you know, then, then I did not know that. But yeah, we, we, I have known that that picture is fake since 2014. See, I found it recently and I did <laughs> a lot of tracking to figure it out because it it's been used for several different means yeah. of propaganda. It, it was used in the Syrian war as well, uh, further back, like 2012 or something, 2010. And then what it really stems back. But my point is, is that there is a lot of misinformation going on coming from, uh, I don't know if one party is just trying to put out misinformation and then you also have uh, white supremacists exploiting I can tell what's you what's going happening on. there. I can tell you exactly what's happening there because I know of this and this is why I was threatened because I exposed this. I found a document about this in 20. 13 and um I, I i posted it and i literally got everything shut down i just recently got kicked off twitter i mean it's the only little piece of social media i have i i had left from those days i didn't even have a lot of followers because i never really understood twitter but um john wanted me to start being active again and i and i did and the next thing i knew i gosh i'm, I'm suspended but the, this is why they suspend me is because i know they know what I know. And the people behind running these things, they know who I am. Even though I have a thousand Twitter followers and, and I mean, I followed six people and posted a picture of Mandela and the next thing I knew. So anyway. Speaking of that, like on Twitter though, I've noticed there are a couple of people that, are, uh, that speak out that are in South Africa who regularly have their, their Twitter accounts shut down. Oh, that is because they, they and, and they'll, they'll probably get murdered too. So please pray for the people that do speak out. Yeah. But let me tell you what I know. And, and I can tell you that this is happening. In Don't America. say that. They're going to watch this. <laughs> oh, well, they, they will watch it. But I'm in America now. They can't do nothing. Well, they can, yeah. I suppose. I mean, but. No, I'm saying the people that you're talking about. They yeah, well, they, they might watch this. But they, 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 they know that, you know, the more exposure you have the more protected you are you know so i know for a fact this is happening and it's important that americans know this too that the far left movement like your black lives matter like your antifas like your julius malema 
EFF, those people work together with the far right movement or a perceived far right movement. It is an, an infiltration. It is an operation. It's a psyop. It is exactly what happened in, um, uh, what is that place where, where there was that huge clash with a- Oh, uh, Portland. Was, it was recently in Portland. Yeah, Portland. Again. But I'm talking about where that woman got run over and they called, uh, they said oh, President Trump. South Carolina, I want to say, or it was I, in the South. Uh, North Carolina. Um, no, it was it was a specific. It'll come to me. But the fact is, then then President Trump didn't actually. He said there were um, some good it, people on both sides. They were good people on yeah. both sides, and then they made him a racist. Yeah. But that was an entire um, operation pulled off. It was a media PR stunt. Both parties, the right-wingers and the left-wingers, were of the same crowd. The leader of the so-called right-wing movement, if, when, when we looked at him, you could track him back. He's an, actually an Antifa member. So they make these political stunts. And this is what's happening online as well. If, if there's somebody like me or like you or like John who actually really want to tell the truth, we investigate, we put the information out there, what they'll do is they'll take that, they'll pretend to be right-wing and put disinformation in there and start an entire campaign. Then the moment people buy into it, they will come in from the other side and discredit it and point to the discrepancies and say, oh, you know, it is just a load of Bravo Sierra. So it is all just propaganda, mind control, psyop. It's all it is. Because when you and I go out into the street, into a restaurant, I mean, do you sit there and be racist? Huh? <laughs> do you sit there and notice how many black people and Indian people and how many different races are? Do you know, do you actually do that? Does when a black person talks to you or when you talk to a black person, does he look at you and go, oh, are you white? I don't want to talk to you. No. On the ground, racism doesn't really exist, does it? I mean, there's probably a few racist people out there. I'm yeah, I know, but in I'm, general, I mean, in general, yeah, I get what you're in saying. In general, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, in general, there are racist people on there. I mean, you just yeah. have to look at Twitter. You know, people spew Bravo Sierra to each other all the time because it's easy to sit behind a keyboard and type with your middle finger. The yeah. point that I'm making is that in real life, between normal people, as you're going around in your daily being, minding your own business, the the real Racism is between, is, is political. And even if I go to South Africa now, knowing what I know about that country, that being my home country, where my heart is, where my love is, where my, where my children were born, where I got, grew up. I mean, it was, when I go to the store, I mean, there's black people, there's white people, there's, there's every color of the rainbow. They call us a rainbow nation. And uh, there's no hatred in the street. But switch the television on. Oh, my gosh. Then they're singing how they're going to kill us. And then this is the next farm murder. This morning, they abducted a little girl um, from primary school. And this is, uh, I'll give you this article now as well. 
and uh, I can show you her little picture. And uh, four black men just stopped. Can you see this? Yeah, I can see it a little bit. Oh, you know, it's a bit hard. Yeah. Oh, four, four black men stopped as she got out of a little car and uh, towards the school and grabbed her, stuffed her in a car and drove away. It's on video. I'll send you the link. And are wow. they now demanding two million rand ransom for this little girl? About how uh, much I, is that in the U.S.? Well, it's about 14 to one. So it's about just under a million. No, yeah, two million rand is, is about, uh, a million rand is about $100,000. So it's about $200,000. The thing is that buying power is more over there. I mean, you can buy more with two million rand than what you can buy with $200,000 here. Yeah. Having said that, um, I want to get back to this little girl. I, I just want to, um, her name is, uh, name is Amy Lee de Jager. She's in grade RR, which means she's five. Please assist us in locating a kidnapped child. She was taken at College Park Primary School, Thunderbell Park, by four black males driving a white Toyota Fortuner, no registration, at around 8.40 on Monday, September 2nd, 2019. They've got everybody looking for this girl and they're threatening to cut her throat and uh, film it and send it to the parents if they don't pay the ransom. Wow. So I just want to ask everybody out there that's watching us, please pray for Amy and that she gets returned to her mom and dad because this is the reality of what is going on in South Africa. People are desperate. The government is, is communist. It's a hoax. It's, it's more like a dictatorship. And um, the white people are being targeted. And they are. They're killing them, even the little children. So where, where do you see this going? I mean, what's, what's the future of South Africa? I mean, we got kids being kidnapped, kids being killed, uh, farmers being burned alive. Where is it heading? Are people going to leave or are people going to? it just should be chaos. Brian, it can only get worse, you know, unless, unless there's an actual war, which they probably want. But they have also thought us through, obviously. Every single white male at, in 1994 had military training. So they knew they couldn't fight a war then, they would have lost. What they've done then is systematically implemented gun control. So they've disarmed us. They've killed most of us. Half of us have fled, the ones who had money. Um, they just empowered us financially. It's about 800,000 of four, 4 million people in squatter camps that are literally living in squalor, in corrugated iron boxes on rubbish dumps. No water, no electricity, nothing. These people are qualified engineers, doctors. They cannot get employed because they are white because of black economic empowerment. Now, if that's not racist, I don't know what is. Um, a week ago, a bunch of white squatters that had nowhere left to go got thrown off the property. They even took their blankets and the little belongings that they had and they, and they just got chased off. I don't even know where they are. Um, so yes, there's nothing left for the white person. The best option for them is to get out. It's gone, that country is gone. They've given it to the enemy, it's gone. 
So unless a war breaks out, unless maybe America steps in and, and we take it back from the communists. Could you ever see the potential of uh, the U.S. taking these people in as refugees? Well, that is my hope. That is my hope. My son has been denied his visa three times now. I cannot even get my son, my own child, to visit me in America, to just visit me. They say, wow. they say in the American embassy, because there's a lot of Obama holdovers in all the embassies all across the world, I hope everybody hears us because this is the reality of it. My son was told to his face, no, he cannot ma visit his mother, his own mother who is married to an American citizen and a, green, a legal green guard holder who did it legally the right way because um, he doesn't show enough proof that he would return. So the fact is that um, there's, I don't understand if they, if they hate the white person so much and um, they just want to kill us, they also don't want to let us go. Because there's another situation going on as well where they, it's easier to get into Australia. So a lot of people who, who has the financial means are going to Australia. A lot of people are left with nothing. And because the currency has just deteriorated to the point of no return, it's impossible for them to leave. Like my parents. Um, my dad worked for 40 years, qualified professional man for Eskom, which is the power company there that the state owns. Um, when that they've, they've ruined it to the point that South Africa is probably going to have um, complete and utter power failure very soon, same as in Venezuela. The, the whole grid is compromised. There's nothing left. They've polished everything. The black fired all the white people, all the white engineers, all the, and just promoted black people because of black economic empowerment. I mean, my, my dad, um, having worked in, in the industry for so many years, he's, he's got two degrees, found himself in a situation where the, the mail boy, the person who was delivering his mail, that was sorting mail in the mail room, he found himself one day reporting to him as his new boss. This wow. male sorter got promoted to a very high position in the power on the power station. He had no clue what he was doing. My dad had, still had to do all the work, but this guy got all the recognition and all the pay, but he, he did nothing. So that kept happening. So a lot of white people left the country that could, and uh, so they ended up with a management team that had no clue what they were doing. So everything fell apart. But having said that, as a result, what happened when they ran out of money, they just started digging into the pension funds, which is oh, another yeah. story. So by the time it's they're all doing, over with- They're doing that here too. So when my dad had to retire 40 years of contributing to a pension fund, he, he, he hardly got anything out. I am currently taking care of my parents. So, but they cannot leave. They don't have the money. And where do they go? And with what? It's easy to say, well, why don't you just leave? Okay, you do it first. I mean, imagine that something really goes wrong in this country and you've got to go. I mean, do you understand what it takes to go somewhere? Number one, you still have to be permitted to go somewhere. We can't go anywhere. Nobody wants to give us refugee status because 
they say that the fact that we are being murdered is number one, we deserve it, and number two, justified, and or number three, imaginary. So, I mean, we're fighting a losing battle. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, I, to answer your question, it would be my dream, because I'll tell you what, America farming, the farming in America is also deteriorated as a result of Agenda 21, and, um, and there's going to be a food shortage short, shortly. And I'll tell you what, there's about 4 million people on that side of the, of, of, of the ocean that loves God, loves country, and are good farmers. They can make food, and they will never vote for socialism ever yeah, yeah. because yeah. they understand what probably, probably another reason why they don't want them to come here yeah that's exactly it i mean if they were if that's what the thing is and 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 the guy said to my son to his face that if he was black he could have gotten himself a student visa and be out of south africa and already be in america wow but he's not black so i don't know why skin pigmentation should be a qualifying factor whether or not you're allowed to live or be murdered. I mean, it doesn't even make sense, does it? No, not at all. Not at all. It's crazy to think that these things have come back around. I mean, I thought we would have gotten past everything, you know, with our civil rights movement and you guys had the end of apartheid. Things were supposed to be, uh, hunky-dory but have taken the wrong turn i gotta say this has been a really great episode to have really really good to have you on i'm gonna have to wrap it up now though is there anything you want to stay say before we uh cut it short i will just say one thing is that watch every single thing that is happening in america Watch everything that has happened in South Africa and Venezuela. Go read up on the Bolshevik Revolution and how communism started. You start connecting the dots. Save your country. Don't give up your guns. Don't. Stay free because they, they're lying to us through propaganda. And the next thing you know, in the name of love, peace, freedom, and inclusion, your children are being murdered. It doesn't work. Please listen to me. It is the truth. I've lived it. I've seen it. My people are currently going through it. Be warned. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brendy. It's, it's been great to have you on and it was really powerful. And I hope everyone who's watching this really uh, learns something from it and tells others about it. Uh, Thank you so much, Brian, for having me on. This has been the Right Now Podcast, and I am Brian Quinn. Thank you for watching. You've been listening to New Right Network, mobilizing, countering, energizing. Online at newrightnetwork.com.